This is a sermon podcast from Ashland First United Methodist Church in Ashland, Oregon. Visit us online at ashlandmethodist.org for more sermons like this, church information, and how to get involved. Ashland Methodist, a community of open hearts, open minds, and open doors. The Bible is really deep. To uh, state the obvious, I can be Captain Obvious this morning. And sometimes we err in reading it very superficially. Um, And sometimes I think we're terrified to read it more deeply than that, for afraid we'll get the reading wrong, or afraid that it might call us to something we're terrified to do. And we run into stories where things don't seem to go well. And we wonder what part of that story we might be in. If we had to cast ourselves as a character within the story that we have been telling this month, Nabal or Abigail or one of the servants who is terrified for their life after Nabal rebuffs a violent man. If we cast ourselves in the role of David, that's the easiest, right? Because we know that David's this wonderful king. And then we learn more about him. We go, ooh, ooh, maybe I don't want to be David. Maybe David's very blessed that our God is so loving and forgiving, that our God works so powerfully, that there are moments of David's life that go far beyond what we sort of saying about as being good humor. I joke that we're all rascals sometimes to soften it, but sometimes we do wicked things. And sometimes when that wickedness happens, it's hard to pull out. Sometimes you feel caught up in an energy around you and you lose the ability to choose for yourself. And when you come to later, you think about what you did have deep regret. Those who do not have a religious tradition often have no way to work through that deep regret, and they flounder. Religion isn't perfect. There's a lot about it that's really complicated and sometimes disheartening. But it is a handhold into the divine. We hear the testimony of so many over so long who say, hang in there, God is loving. Hang in there, God can forgive you. That your wickedness is not the end of the story. Not even for Nabal. For Jesus teaches us that God redeems all creation. And I hold out hope for the moments of Nabal's life at the end where he had a chance to do some reckoning and ask for some forgiveness. Anybody who has ever been at the bedside of somebody who is passing into the next realm knows that some of this goes on. And we can trust this, that God is good, that God uses God's power to redeem. So when we read hard stories like this, We need to remember that. (sighs) 
What we're going to talk about today more deeply is this sort of idea of compassion versus contempt. And contempt is to be scornful. When you treat someone, it's an outward thing. You treat someone with scorn. I remember we talked about how important it is for those who want to feel honored, how important honor is publicly for a family, and that's public praise. Oh, you're so wonderful. We love it when you come and visit us versus a scornful public flaring of the lip. Have we all seen that, right? Anybody watch Mean Girls? Yeah, I mean, teenage girls are great at scorn, right? It's like this scornfulness. And contempt is a way that we protect ourselves in anger and it's a way of turning away from our own inner God and our own inner uh, love, the love of God within us. But I'm not going to, for teenage girls, it's kind of a survival, having been one, admitting to this. Um, I know how complicated it is and how hard it is, and it becomes a defense mechanism. But as we grow up, behaving scornfully is so hurtful, and David is so deeply wounded by Nabal's scorn, by Nabal's contempt. And Abigail, over the years, seems to have grown in wisdom to help mitigate the horrible decisions that Nabal makes, the horrible disrespect and scorn and contempt with which he treats others in order to have all for himself. Waiting for moments when he is sober to sit down and talk with him and say, hey, we got to rethink what happened here. That was a near miss and they're probably going to be back to ask for more supplies, and you're going to say yes, and this is why. This is what women of that time did. They were wise. They helped the family with how to move in public in an honorable way. But in looking at that and thinking about contempt and scorn in marriage, I was thinking about the work of John Gottman. Part of what I want to do today is bring this story kind of more into the here and now and some practical application. Obviously, one tiny little thread yet again. But John Gottman's done some work on couples. He's videotaped hundreds of newlywed couples and looked at how they interact with an attempt to see uh, where, do, where, does, where are things for them right now. And some couples have wonderful interactions as newlyweds, lovingly, carefully. He gives them something contentious to argue about, and the argument starts. Are they loving? Do they give each other reassurance? When they disagree, do they reframe? Do they say, you know, I hear you, I just think differently? Or do they say, I don't even know who you are anymore? Do they get defensive? I never said that. Do they pull out the M word? You're just like your mother. (laughs) Or is there scorn? Does the upper lip flare up? Gottman calls this the four horsemen of the apocalypse for couples. Criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling, and contempt. 
And the cool thing about this is it becomes a tool for us to better monitor ourselves. We don't have an Abigail that after we sober up says to us, hey, you know what? You are headed on a path to destruction. You're going to destroy yourself. Greed, drink, what are you, crazy? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have a heart attack and die if you keep this up. You just are. Maybe, am I right? Disease, heart disease, if you hold all that stuff in. So here's a tip for us. We, we look to these folks who have brought us this wisdom that say, if you're arguing with your spouse today, I want you to do this today. If you find yourself, well, start today. Don't argue necessarily today. <laughs> but the next time that you're arguing, check yourself. How are you feeling? Are you feeling like your arms are crossed? Are you feeling like you're hiding out? Are you feeling like you can't make eye contact? Say it. Just say it out. You know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling kind of uncomfortable right now. I'm, I feel like I can't even look at you. I, I'm, feeling, I, I'm feeling afraid, actually. I'm feeling under attack, and I, I feel hurt. It's amazing how those moments of vulnerability, if Abigail can go out by herself on a donkey in front of David, who is armed with 400 rascals, shall we say, behind him, you can do this with the person that you love. You can admit to feeling vulnerable, to feeling attacked, to feeling not heard. And you can claim that for yourself, not, Chris, you're attacking me. But, gosh, Chris, when you do that, I feel like I have to run away and hide. You haven't done anything like that yet, but I'll let you know if you do. <laughs> but you see, and sometimes you can even bring in a little laughter. So criticism, rule of thumb, criticism breaks down relationship. Words of appreciation build relationship. For every act of criticism, you need a few acts of appreciation. So if you wake up suddenly in the middle of an argument and realize that you are criticizing like crazy, shift gears. I really appreciate that you've sat here while I've criticized you and I've just realized I've done that and I really care about you and I'm sorry about that. So what happens if you're vulnerable to your loved one? Will they then take a pike and stab you in the heart? Finally, you have admitted you're a jerk. Maybe, I hear a maybe from over there. <laughs> but probably not. Probably not. In fact, probably the other person, especially if they haven't been to this particular sermon, will be like, what, it just happened. Um, that's, that's weird. I don't even know what to do now. You've made a gap. In that gap, you say, I heard this great sermon yesterday. <laughs> And the pastor said, in that gap, be willing to be vulnerable, speak words of appreciation, and watch the whole thing change. Those are small, small steps. But I invite you to be courageous and be vulnerable. Work on it. Words of appreciation. That's it. It's that simple. Okay.
So then I think about Abigail again. Abigail and her dealing with Nabal, who would have been contemptuous to her. Maybe in the moments when he sobers up and he realizes he's incredibly sorry. We know that in domestic abuse situations, the abuser, male or female, after the abuse has happened, can be extremely charming and endearing. So Abigail has to navigate a lot of things in this world. And I think just a quick prayer to those in those situations who don't have a lot of options isn't a bad thing. So I want to talk about one more thing. Well, two more things. First, I want to remind us that though God is honorable, and this is one of the key themes we've had this month, and that honor seems to be the things we always talk about with God, God also moves through shame. There's a really, really important takeaway that I want to communicate. That when we feel shame, so in that relationship, you're just about, when you've admitted you've been criticizing like crazy, you might feel a little shame. Don't let that shame pull you back from God. Know that God moves through shame. That God claims that space with you. That in that moment of space, you will discover God is with you. If you will just have courage to see your worth before God and God's love for you. It is your eyes that do not see. God sees you. It is your ears that plug up. God is listening. It is your heart that fails. It is your heart that turns to stone like we hear Nabal's heart turn to stone. I think of Pharaoh. I think of the carnage of Egypt. What vulnerability would have done for them then? The willingness of Pharaoh to say, you know, I've been criticizing a lot. Maybe, maybe I want to find a different way. Okay, so we have Abigail as a tremendous exemplar in this story. I, uh, I like to think that if she'd been born in the Middle Ages, she would have been sainted. Her story reads very much like some of the early saints who found courage in their faith and the stakes of the lives of their lo loved ones enough that they faced tremendous danger to do something that might work for peace. Okay, so the last thing is anger and contempt. What is the remedy for anger? Is compassion. Compassion is the remedy. Empathy. Empathy is about you experiencing how they're feeling. Rapport is when you can turn that around and have them participate and understand in how you're feeling. Compassion gets us there. So when you're angry, I loved what Dorita did. Right? I think that's perfect. This is your reaction. You want to reach out and just dope slap somebody. It's a fight or flight moment. Your body goes up, your body temperature, the gut tightens up, you're poised to run, all the biochemical juice going through your body. If you've got some parasites in there, from what I understand, they're also in the business. 
So you're like this. How do you choose differently? How can you choose compassion instead? And the very first step is just to notice that you're this way. Notice the anger. Notice that you want to strike out. You won't notice yet how much you're hurting. You'll notice that later. Be courageous. Notice and slow it down. Give yourself the space of vulnerability to discover God. When you do that, you will discover the love of God. That love comes in and you discover compassion. God's love will pour compassion into that space. Compassion for yourself first. That you are angry and that it feels awful. That you are hurting so you are lashing out. And then compassion for the other. So that's my practical sermon today. Because Abigail is wise. And too often we read of the public honor work in the Bible, but not the work of transformative change that happened in people's lives all the time. In your life and in the life that you take outside these walls to bless others with. That life is God's life. Praise be to God. Amen. I'd like us to just breathe for a minute, a moment of reflection. It's been a really, really big month. I am so grateful for all of your patience in moving through Abigail. I love this story. And even as I worked on it more this month, I loved it even more. It's a deep and beautiful story and our story all together as people of faith. Sam.